What you're about to listen to was recorded years ago when we were but young folk. This is a recap of a previous season of Stranger Things. We decided to drop them again to refamiliarize you with the show, just in case you don't have time to rewatch them all. We also encourage you to check out the rest of the show. Back in the days of yesteryear, we uh, recapped each individual episode in depth and had a great time. A lot of people seem to have fun doing that, so feel free to revisit those. We're looking forward to Stranger Things Season 4, so be sure to catch on up and listen to our live recap of season four. Before that, we'll be back to discuss the season four trailer and rewatch the first three seasons and go over it all again. Make newer, fresher, hopefully more accurate predictions. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. That's the cut. Welcome, all and sundry. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. A very sad and, well, really bittersweet day here at Streaming Things. This is our final episode of Stranger Things 2, which is essentially the second season of Streaming Things. What we got in store for you today is a quick recap of the entire season, our thoughts on it overall, and then we're going to move into our chocolate pudding section where we normally enumerate our favorite moments of each episode but this time it's going to be our top three favorite episodes of stranger things 2 and then we're going to move into our ego section which is normally where we point out the easter eggs and cultural references in each episode but we're just going to overall talk about some of the cultural influences of stranger things 2 and uh, point out some of the egos that we missed and then we'll discuss a little bit about where we think stranger things is going from here things we expect from stranger things season three Things like that. Some fun little guesses. The future egos. The future egos. And we will talk about those as well. A little influences we think they might pull from in future seasons. And then talk about the future of streaming things itself, which is very near and dear to our hearts, of course, and hopefully to many of yours. But first, we're going to pick the winner of our November 7th review contest. It's happening. It's all happening. Finally, we will not extend the deadline in a thirsty begging of more reviews <laughs> it's done if you're new to the show we had a contest where if you uh rated and reviewed our show specifically on itunes but wherever you possibly could and screenshotted that and sent it to streamingthingspod at gmail.com by november the 7th which is today Ta-da. we would enter you to win a hundred dollar amazon gift card and we've put all of the people that screenshotted that and sent to our email uh into a randomizer and chosen a winner. Steve, no drum roll because that ruins the audio, but <laughs> drum roll in your heads, everyone. Just imagine one. Steve, who is the winner of that contest? The winner of 100 Bones. 100 Bones. <laughs> An Amazon gift card for $100 is none other than Stacy Mills. I was going to say, after this commercial break. <laughs> Tune in. So congratulations to Stacy. Stacy. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for your support, Stacy. 
And yeah. thanks to everyone who uh, who chimed in and not only uh, reviewed us and subscribed to us to iTunes, but also took the time to uh, submit their reviews for us. I mean, maybe they were doing it for the potential 100 bones, but I mean... Th- even so, that takes a lot to uh, take us some time out of your day to write up some nice things about three strangers who uh, talk about a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't express enough of my gratitude for all of the, the feedback that we've gotten. I really love your emails. I want to hear more of you. So send it in. Whatever you got to say, whatever your thoughts on uh, the future of streaming things, things like that or what we've already said. We'd love to have more audience participation and work that into our show. That being said, we're going to take a few of our emails and just spend a, just a, a brief little bit just reading what the world has to say about what we're saying. And it's not much, just a little bit. Uh, I've got an email from Michelle C. Uh, who writes in. And when you do write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com, please tell us where you're writing from. It's just a fun little tidbit for us. And I think it's better for the audience just for the future reference. Uh, she was struggling a little bit with the review process and maybe a bad Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi connection in mm-hmm. whatever city. But that's fine. Uh, I wanted to be considered for the contest. I am attaching my review, which I have tried to post several times. But for some reason, when I click on send, nothing happens. And maybe that's why we got less than 30. Right. You know, even though we were offering the hunt of bones, maybe there's just a worldwide server crash that we just didn't know about. Or maybe the new Apple podcast app sucks. That's 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 verifiable for sure. (laughs) Uh, And then she went on to say, I'm going to try and send it through the desktop, but wanted to show I did at least try. And she screenshotted here. And to my knowledge, it did not go through. But we did enter you into the randomizer. So you were eligible to win because we're sweet guys. (laughs) Uh, Went through a few Stranger Things podcasts and you guys were the best for sure. I mean, no, for sure. Uh, You're so kind. And please let me know if you guys continue more with a different show. Thank you, Michelle. We do plan to continue. Uh, We thought we would do like single episodes on less popular shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do know like the Punisher is coming up very soon. We're all excited to see that. We might just do one episode after we binge it talking about the Punisher. But we really need to hear from our listeners about where you'd like us to go from here and particular films or any particular shows you'd like us to go back and review. We're on board. And if it's something that we were already planning to watch or interested in, think that we have something to add to the conversation. Uh, We will definitely consider that. But we want to hear from our listeners, obviously, because you're the ones that listen to us and what you'd like to hear us analyze is extremely important to us. So I can't stress that enough. Uh, I know that Westworld is coming back in early, I think, spring of 2018. Hell yeah, it's coming back. That is absolutely something that we'll be watching and talking about. But there's a a lot of time between now and then. So we need some more ideas. So send them on in. Andy, do you have an email you'd like to read? I have another one uh, here from Steve V. Different Steve. Steve stands for Steve. Very cool hair. Mm. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Uh, Steve wrote in. <laughs> hey there, gents. Just wrote a review for you guys titled Demo Likey. Wasn't able to get a screenshot before I submitted it. Hopefully you get it. Keep up the great work. P.S. If you ever decide to do shout outs, can I get a shout out to Kim, the three musketeers to my dark mouth? Very sexual shout out. That is very sexual. I'll give you the shout out. There you go, Steve. I'll give you the shout out. <laughs> However... I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted. On, I have conflicted feelings on this. Yeah. On I wanted this to read metaphor. this dark analogy, if you yeah. will. <laughs> the Three Musketeers to my Ivy League college. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm going to go home and try that line on my wife. Like, hey, girl, you got, got three some... musketeers to my dart mouth. Got your favorite. <laughs> get. get away from me. So what, what was what was her name? What was the young lady's name? That Kim, I believe. Kim. 
So yeah, shout, out shout out to, to Kim. Kim, Kim, what's up, girl? In Steve's mind, you're a piece of nougat to an alien. Mm-hmm. Romance. That's what we do here on the streaming things. We spread love. Steve's <laughs> ratcheting the love up to 11. Ooh. And he's used that joke many times and it yeah. works every time. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one. <laughs> Steve, do you have an email you'd like to read? I do. This email comes in to us from Adam Parker. He writes, hey guys, I'm one of those new listeners. Mm. Came across you guys hunting for a podcast to compliment one of my favorite shows, Smiley Face Emoticon. Very pleased to give you all a good review. Thanks for offering the giveaway, but you deserve the review for the Great Deep Dives. Mm. Adam Parker, my goodness, you have the heart of gold. You are a saint, my friend. That is, those are some nice words. I think we should edit in Steve, I believe, from like episode five of Streaming Things, season two, where he goes, <laughs> in his most adorable way. <laughs> Finger licking I feel good. like he deserves extra points for using the emoticon instead of the emoji. Mm. Good on you, sir. Yeah. Classic. So that brings us to the close of our audience feedback. If you want to read some more of the reviews that were entered, they are, of course, on the iTunes app. There's some good ones. all time. They are, there are. I was very heartened. I'd love to see more of those. We could have another contest coming up in a few months. We're definitely, you know, we might do something like that. And anybody who enters uh, a review between now and then will just automatically retroactively enter you in any future giveaways. But... Don't always wait for us to give you stuff. You know, we we, we give you stuff on a, on a weekly basis, uh, more than a weekly basis. I feel we like. give you all the business. That's right, <laughs> all the business. That's all the business. So you can go ahead and rate and review our podcast at any time. We love that, and we need that. There, I don't know if you know this, more TV and film based podcasts than you could shake a stick at, as the old ladies say. And we need your help being identified in that broad world. And we have to thank you guys for a long time on iTunes, the iTunes uh, podcasting app. If you search for streaming things, we would not be the first thing that popped up. We were the second. (laughs) And this week, listeners, this week, thanks to you guys and your reviews, we are now the number one thing that pops up when you specifically search for streaming things. Our lives have been validated. (laughs) Yes. That is how crazy it is out there in the TV and film podcast world. We're still not in the top eight of the Stranger Things podcast. And I don't know how that works. It is bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, As Nancy would say. Bullshit. 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 So if you search for Stranger Things and you see those eight episodes, they really should just be eight lines that say bullshit. 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 Streaming things. Number nine. Yep. Number nine. (laughs) So yeah, we need your help. Continue to do that. So moving right in, overall thoughts on Stranger Things 2. I keep calling it season two, but that's not what the Duffers intended. Mm. Uh, It's a sequel. It's a nine-hour film sequel to the eight-hour film original, mm-hmm. Stranger Things, Stranger Things 2. Uh, what would you guys think overall? Um, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, I loved it. I mean, it's something that I've been waiting for forever, it feels like. I realize it's only been something like 16 months, but like I binged the hell out of one when it dropped, and I wanted so desperately to binge the hell out of this one too. And I, I I've seen season one a couple of times. And so when season two dropped, I'm like, Oh my God, guys. Oh my God. Like I'm starting to like sweat and shake. I'm getting like withdrawal syndrome, like constantly because, but I held <laughs> off cause we were doing this show. We wanted to be fresh every time we were recording the episodes. And so every time it's like getting that fix, it's like, Oh, thank God. I can just sort of sink back into the couch. I can eat some Doritos and just chill. Um, I don't think that I loved it as much as a as uh, the first season, um, 
But if this is the Duffer equivalent of a sophomore slump, then I cannot fucking wait to see what we're going to get with Stranger Things 3. Because didn't we say before that we're confirmed for at least two more seasons? I don't think they're greenlit for season three even yet. But we we can all assume based on Mm. the massive success of this that they're definitely going forward. But I think somewhere in an interview, the Duffers had intimated that they had enough material for around four seasons. And I think that's great because mm-hmm. any show that goes after five or six seasons typically is fucking garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, there's know, only all, so many stories you can tell. Yeah. And yeah. all the greatest shows of all time sure. usually end around five, like Breaking Bad, yeah. things like that. You have to have a good ending point or else it just becomes, you know, jumping the shark. And the Game of Thrones is still good after seven seasons. But mm-hmm. that's, I mean, like you said, they have an end point. They haven't right. reached yet. They're not just milking it like <clears throat> Walking Dead and just become <laughs> a giant dumpster fire of zombies. But uh, so I feel like the show, um, it really like it had its moments where it derailed a little bit. But if I were to pick like a top 10, like favorite moments of all of Stranger Things, I feel like at least half of them would have come from two. Mm-hmm. And that's speaks. That's I, fair. I, I can't say anything more like positive about how much I enjoyed this season. What do you think, Steve? Um, I, I, you know, echoing exactly what you said. I we we went into the season. I specifically went into the season with some concerns. Like I, I had I assumed it would be good. It would be great. It's Duffer Brothers. I, I knew it would be a quality thing, but I was concerned with where they were going. Um, and it's it's hard when you have essentially your whole life to come up with a story and mm-hmm. make this amazing experience like what the Duffers did with season one. And then all of a sudden it's a big success. You have a year to make a, a sequel. Right. Um, so there's definitely going in. I was worried like, well, I hope they weren't rushed to make something that isn't nearly as good. But thankfully, that's not what happened. Uh, this season surpassed my expectations. It didn't just meet them. Mm-hmm. It surpassed it and, and gave it the finger as it went by my right. expectations. <laughs> right. <laughs> and even like the, some of the uh, concerns we had about the returning cast, you know, mm-hmm. spe- specifically uh, Noah Schnapp, who plays Will. It was one of those like, ooh, is he going to be able to bear this weight? Because he yeah. is a central fucking figure for the for the entire series now. Yeah, he's and the like, anchor this season. Is he going to be able to, you know, Step up Ex- to the plate. Step up, exchange blows with these fucking legends of the screen. And he fucking, like, so surpassed my expectations for what he could have possibly done. I really thought they would have put him on the back burner a little bit, and they didn't at all. Yeah. Like, they put him up front and center, and he held his own, and that was fucking great. And it was interesting that not only did they put him front and center, but it's also interesting to see what they did with other characters that were front mm-hmm. and center in season one, and they and they scaled them back to give... Uh, other characters uh, time to expand and become their own their own success. Yeah, we didn't see hardly anything from Mike Charlie Heaton, uh, who plays Jonathan. He d- he didn't have a whole lot of screen time. They put Jay Bird on the bench. Jay Bird on the bench. Yeah, I think that was to the to the season's detriment. I think a lot of those things came off of a mistake, though. Uh, I think the um, the fan service regarding the Justice for Barb plotline kind of derailed. Uh, Natalia Dyer's character Nancy and Charlie mm-hmm. Heaton's character Jonathan uh, a great bit, which I think was to the show's detriment. Yeah, uh, and was just bullshit, bullshit, bullshit to me because <laughs> <laughs> I do not give a fuck about Barb. Um, you I, I, monster! I mean, I understand it's good for Nancy's character on the one hand because of course she would still have that in her mind and feel unresolved there. And I love actually what came out of it eventually with Murray Bauman's character. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is going to be a huge part of season three, but I just, it's, it was so sad to see Nancy, uh, so sidelined. And then Mike, again, very valid for his character. He'd be mourning 11 so much. And in fact, on set, apparently they referred to him as emo Mike. 
like even all the cast members. Uh, so even, you know, uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard, everybody was aware of the change in Mike's character and what mm-hmm. was going on, but it was a little disappointing and annoying at a certain point. Um, yeah, so. I think going with what you said, I, I, ne- I'm not necessarily as upset about the, uh, the barb situation as you are. Mm-hmm. Cause and in the end, I do like where it, it yeah. circled back and it was with purpose and it, and then, uh, Natalie Dyer, specifically her, she was able to come back towards the tail end of the season and, you know, again, prove why we love Nancy so much. Yeah. Um, not so much Jaybird. She got kind of benched in the finale though. I mean, like her ultimate, like where I need to go during this super climax is go sit next to Jonathan yeah. while they exercise the demon from Will. Yeah. You know, she, I mean, she had the hot poker and so I guess that, you know, <laughs> she did something there, but it, it didn't feel as, um, important as like her role in the last time where it's like Mm -hmm. we have to draw the demogorgon away my uh the hopper and uh i almost called her mom it's not her mom my uh to be boyfriend's mom they're over there in the upside down and we need to uh keep them safe and you know there was a lot more um uh, there was a lot more reason behind what she's doing as opposed to just being kind of reactionary, which is how I kind of felt she was this time around. I feel like her arc ended with the, uh, um, journalist Bauman was that his name yes yeah Mary. Uh, yeah I, I feel like her arc for the season kind of prematurely ended like mm-hmm. what was that episode six or something where they start sending those tapes out she didn't have a whole lot to do after that yeah and it definitely ended like you said but i think they gave her enough in the end to make mm-hmm. to keep us aware like well nancy's badass we love nancy yes. so i'm looking forward to see what they do with her in season three but the main person that i'm really just kind of bummed about this season is what they did with um finn wolfhart yeah uh, mike's character because they not only did they you know sideline him but they didn't give him really anything to do other than just be a miserable fuck right uh just i keep being shitty to max you know? yeah and um after we would you know we would we would come here we would watch an episode we would record and when, when i would go home I would pretty much almost sometimes on the same day rewatch the exact same episode, but with my wife. Oh, I thought you were going to say you, she, you would just cry. <laughs> I we wept. Uh, but no, I would watch the, the episodes with my wife. And she actually looked at me towards the end of the season and said, like, I hate Mike now. He's the worst. <laughs> like, why do I? I hate him so much. And she's not wrong. That's how I felt about Lucas in season one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here, Lucas. But Lucas came back at the end of season no, one. Came out strong. Yeah. Exactly. I don't think Mike had a good comeback at the end of the season. Right, he was uh, yeah. still kind of miserable and awful right up until the very end, maybe with 11. And at that point, it, I feel like that almost took away from their reunion at the very end. Well, I, he, had, he had that scene with Hop where he freaked out on him. And I thought that mm-hmm. was some very strong acting mm-hmm. um, that I liked a lot. But yeah, even in the scene where everyone's reliving their moments with Will trying to bring him out of his trance mm-hmm. when he's strapped to the cardboard chair. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I felt like Fenn's little scene was the weakest part of that. I was like, get back to Winona. She was killing it. Right. Even Charlie Heaton. I don't know if it's his cocaine addiction or, <laughs> uh, or the writing for the season or a mixture of both, or maybe none of those things. But I just, last year we were raved about his performance and I just I couldn't care less about Jonathan. Uh, except for that moment where they met in the room outside and did that Indiana Jones moment. 
mm-hmm. at Bauman's house. I love that whole sequence. Uh, and I think maybe part of that speaks to how much we came to love Steve, like at, at the end of season one and all through season two, mm-hmm. like when uh, Jonathan's finally picking up Nancy and that's something you're rooting for through most of season one. Yeah. Now in two, it's like, dude, she's spoken for. Yeah. 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 Steve's our dude. We it's love Steve. Steve's girl. <laughs> yeah. I think we were talking about it in a different episode, but that's one of the, the bigger surprising things that come out of season two is how it's that that relationship is flipped and they, but the audience is still like, no, we like him now. <laughs> yeah. What the hell, Jaber? <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Um, what they do with Steve's character, because, uh, much like Barb, you know, they were how they were dictated to change their ideas for the plot because of the fans reaction to Barb's death. And Steve is the same way. He was never intended to be such a huge character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, couldn't you know ignore the fan reaction to like fuck yeah steve by the end of season one so they Mm -hmm. wrote him a huge part in this season uh he was actually intended to be like a billy character just a a cock boy just full-on fuck boy mode um (laughs) just like a human bully for the kids to interact with and then they gave him that i would pay so much money for one of the kids to look at steve and call him a fuck boy yeah (laughs) steve you're such a fuck boy that would be an anachronism (laughs) but it'd be worth it for sure uh i i also agree that season one uh is the better show mm-hmm. but I, that's almost unfair i mean the duffers had their entire lives to plan and write season mm-hmm. one and then less than a year to write season two because uh, then they had to shoot it and market it and all those things and mm-hmm. we got it in like you said about 16 months so really probably four months that they maybe spent writing this and it's incredible considering that it's a wonderful follow-up it's a great sequel it does everything you want a sequel to do that you know the harder better faster stronger thing that sequels always do that doesn't always work for me personally mm-hmm. but they managed to do that while also retaining the t- the small character moments that make stranger things so wonderful um and i said before like you know they had arcs that span both seasons uh i think with with david harbour's character hopper mm. is one of those arcs um 11 grows a lot between seasons you can track those uh, steve you can track an arc through both seasons and that's not always easy to do you know it right. doesn't it's not episodic at all it's it's a wonderful 17 hour film and that's it's hard to do so bravo to them but i think you know season 1 is definitely the stronger story uh but i yeah Absolutely loved it. And I'm not, I couldn't say that I'm disappointed at all uh, with Stranger Things 2. Do, do you, would you say that uh, it kept the momentum of the hype for Stranger Things? So, like, sure. Stranger Things 1 was amazing. And, you know, Stranger Things 2 might not be as good, but does it keep that that quality and that hype for continued series? Yeah, I series? think yeah. with a Stranger Things 3, the, the fan base will be just as large and rabid, and we've got plenty to talk about and, and plenty of cool Reddit forums to go into and, and artwork to to make and create and celebrate. Um, I actually almost bought this giant frame Stranger Things poster from season one, uh, and I was waiting because I was like, I might want the 2 poster because it's <laughs> so good. A lot of the artwork is yeah. so good from Stranger Things 2. I think I'm going to wait, spend that 80 bucks some elsewhere. And I love all those 80s homage posters that they do in the build up to uh, the new season. Oh, yeah. Um, and they did a couple of them. And I don't remember if they came out before uh, the season one dropped because there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare when it dropped. It's just sort of like, hey, there's this new show. What? You know, and it's like it, exactly it took it, everybody by surprise. And now this time, like the cat's out of the bag, you know, and now everybody knows how amazing Stranger Things is. So we got a whole lot more as far as the advertising. But it was so much fun. Like the Evil Dead poster. There was a Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah. 
that was a good one. And, uh, yeah, it's just I can't wait to see what they're the more '80s references that they can do in the uh, in the lead up to season three. And that's an interesting thing to note. Like when season one came out, it was it, it took the world by storm, and no one knew it was coming. It had zero fanfare. It was yeah. just like this Netflix original, and they were pumping them out like crazy at the time. And I remember hearing that it was pretty good from a few word of mouth friends. And, uh, I remember looking at it like, I'm so sick of this, you know, nostalgia fetish based content. I have no interest in this quick grab, like power Rangers reboot type shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and had no idea, <laughs> I forgot you know, that was a movie. It was, I've said it in the first episode of streaming things when we did the overall talking about season one, but it was a tweet from Stephen King that actually got me to watch it where it was like, it's, it's like a greatest hits of all my work. And I don't mean that as a, a negative thing. And I was like, Oh, well shit, I'm getting an endorsement of their biggest influence. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check it out. And it just, yeah, like Andy said, I watched all eight episodes, I think in two days and I had way more important things to do. So that's a huge testament to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in and more in than ever, I think on these characters. And I, I love the duffers. I, this sounds like sacrilege maybe, but I would like them to finish this up and see what else they could come up with and what else they could do. Sure. I, I know they said they didn't have many plans to go back into the film industry, that they just love what the versatility of TV. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd love to see what kind of short horror film, or not short, but you know, what kind of horror feature they could do short compared to them, you know, not nine hours, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a hundred minutes and see what they could do. So uh, that's what I would like to see from the Duffers. Any overall thoughts, uh, any, any more overall thoughts on stranger things too, before we dive into some uh, little chunky games. Um, I, I, I enjoyed some of the themes that were present. Um, one of the, the through line themes that I really enjoyed watching was just, um, Eleven's idea of what home means yeah. mm -hmm. and what home is and, uh, just her journey of people offering her a home and then her taking it, but then running away. And then finally at the end of the day, realizing home is where your friends and family are. Home is and, where you make it. Yeah. And the, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I really like that theme. It, it, it fit her character really well. And I liked that journey that she went on with Hopper specifically. I think uh, that sure. was one of the, another surprise going into the, the series was just, I, I wasn't expecting us to have such a concrete relationship between those two characters. And that turned out to be one of my favorite things of the entire yeah. season was Hopper Absolutely. and Eleven. And I actually, I saw um, an interview with Sean Levy, uh, the producer, and he actually directed some of the episodes. And even on set, that was like this major uh, mythological force to look forward to, which I really enjoyed knowing about like fucking Millie Bobby Brown and David Harbour are going to be spending a great deal of time on screen together this mm -hmm. season. And like, you know, Millie's really excited. And Sean Levy was like, it was like the two Titans, you know, in a room right. together. And we were so <laughs> excited to shoot that. And then Millie said a lot, you know, like she spent a lot of that time alone on set because she's just sitting there watching TV or trying to play with the TV and communicate with people. Mm -hmm. But so David Harbour was rarely there to shoot with her. <laughs> so she's like, that was miserable. But uh, when David Harbour would show up, it's just to, to bounce off of him uh, was just a gift. You know, she was always excited to do that. And I wish I could be on set for a day to just right. see those two people work because they're everybody's favorite characters pretty much. And. Wasn't that something similar to uh, the second Sin City movie? Josh Brolin was he he took the role to be in that movie because he wanted to work with uh, I forget the other actor's name. He had never worked with a guy before, but was like really excited because they shared scenes together. Oh, nice! But just because of the way they filmed Sin City, it's just like 
by yourself in a garage in front of a green screen. <laughs> he never actually met the guy. Oh, that's uh, terrible. And he was so bummed out about I it. I never even saw a Dame to Kill for. I so. never saw it either. Yeah, me neither. It was very poorly um, reviewed. I saw certain scenes out of it, and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another theme that I really loved in uh, episode, or season two was just like the idea of being the outsider. And we got a lot of that with ba- the uh, Stranger Things equivalent of It's Losers Club. But this time, like with Max, we kind of get like what it means to be the outsider, even among the outsiders. You know what I mean? Like mm. she's just as nerdy as all them. And like even they, some of them, all of them at first and eventually just Mike, like don't want her to be a part of that group. And so we get this interesting like perspective of like, who the fuck do you turn to if even the outcasts won't, won't let you in? And um, we kind of have that sense of um seclusion also with Eleven, like you were saying before, with uh, all of her scenes with David Harbour, or at least her thread, so much of it, he's not actually there. So we get Eleven just showcased a lot and uh, get to see like the emotional consequences of isolation. Mm -hmm. And then even with Bob, we kind of get to see the the aftermath of that type of character. Like, who do these people grow up to be? And he's very much just like the embodiment of like the nerd who does well, the the nerd do well. Right. Nerd (laughs) Nerd do well. well. Very nice. Very nice. And and not only with Max do we see that, but with Will, who has this uh, sort of PTSD and, and, and live issues going on with him that isolate him from his own group. And only Mike is able to identify with him because Mm -hmm. he's emo Mike mode over 11. And so Will and Mike kind of form their own pact to, you know, they kind of become like the cure listeners in the group. The Morrissey fans (laughs) hang out together and talk about the darkness uh, (laughs) while the other kids gallivant around. And yes, we see that a lot. And that's what I love about this show in general and these properties. I was listening to uh, Peter Serretta. He's the editor in chief at, at Slash Film. And he was talking about why he loves Stranger Things so much is we don't hardly ever get to see any more uh, kids in real danger, Mm -hmm. you know, danger of like violent reprisal. That was a thing that we saw in the 80s a lot. And it's kind of become taboo to put children in mortal danger. And we're seeing it uh, arise because of Stranger Things again. So we got the It reboot, Mm -hmm. which essentially what that is. Like a a, a small child gets his arm ripped off. in the it film right and, yeah and that's in the story and you don't really shoot that type of thing that's these in the days. first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. and another thing that's great about stranger things is you know i noticed a lot of the fans are 10 11 12 13 14 15 years old whatever and they love millie bobby brown they mm-hmm. love this show and no offense but they couldn't possibly understand the full breadth yeah. of how genius this is because they didn't grow up in the 80s like we did um mm-hmm. Uh, the late 80s, you know, but I, had, I was poor, so I was watching 80s VHS a lot yeah. in the 90s when I grew up. But you know what I mean? So it's this wonderful thing that appeals to everyone from age eight all the way up to 50, uh, which is it was perfect. It's a, it's a great mm-hmm. it's wonderful. First of all, it's a great moneymaker, you know, marketing wise. But it also is able to speak and reach to uh, reach to reach and speak to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think bullying is a huge theme of Stranger mm-hmm. Things too. Uh, which, like we talked about before, Millie Bobby Brown has made um, one of her things that she wants to attack and combat in this mm-hmm. world, and they they do a great job of showing in Billy's character again how the oppressed uh, becomes the oppressor, oftentimes in this world, and then through Max's character how you can subvert that with sure. a little love, a little loving. Yeah, the, uh, I think you touched a little bit on this other theme, but the the idea of um, 
like PTSD or shared trauma Mm -hmm. and overcoming that Mm -hmm. um, through your friends and family support is a big theme. I mean, that's Nancy's arc. This season is dealing with the loss of Barb. Sure. Um, the, the boys in some ways, specifically Mike is dealing with the loss of 11. Um, but specifically will is, you know, he was in the upside down. He had this whole traumatic experience of last season. Uh, Joyce in some ways going through her own version of that, but he's actually kind of being attacked by like an actual physical, like this is a, a, it was a shadow monster, but it's actually, it could be like a representation of like, this is your past trauma. It's controlling, it's literally controlling your life. It's turning you against friends and family um, because it's, you've been taken by it. You've been consumed by it, but he's able to come out of it through, you know, a lot of people helping him out. Right. Um, And family. Family. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 I love that they're able to take something that I think a lot of shows would have just ignored where these kids go through something insane. They have like a crazy experience in season one and then season two is like, well, back to normal. Right. Uh, no one feels bad about that at all. You guys tried this jacking off thing yet? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That's yeah. great. I'm going blind over here. <laughs> we have to address the monster we just fought. Yeah, that's that's great. And a lot of yeah. people do ignore that. And that's what's hard about a sequel. It's like, you know, you have very little time because you're ramping up a new plot to address like character deaths from before mm-hmm. and things that would affect you that you've gone through as a normal person. Uh, and Stranger Things, I think, does does a good balance of those things, even as much as I didn't like it at times, especially mm-hmm. with the barb thread. Uh, but that's just me. No offense to Shannon Purser. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, future 80s films that we think they could use, uh, meaning the Duffers, what they could draw from. Obviously, in this season, there was a lot of aliens um, and Evil Dead. In past seasons, they've done a lot of E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. So films that we, to our knowledge, they haven't touched yet as far as mm-hmm. uh, references and cultural influences and just overall predictions for season three. Steve, you can start us off here. Um, I think that a film that they'll probably refer, or I hope they do, because I love this movie, uh, is uh, Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One could assume that... The, I think that's like a given. Yeah, one could assume the next season is going to take place in either 1985, 86, mm. and Back to the Future came out then. Yeah. And um, it takes place then, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Until they go back. Right. <laughs> but then they come back to right. the future, which right. is... Yeah, right. Uh, but no, that's definitely like such a 80s touchstone in It was pop actually culture. like a weird... I haven't gone back to look at it, but I read something about it. Uh, so apparently when at the end of episode nine or chapter nine, uh, after the snowball, when it reverts to the upside down of this gymnasium and you get to see uh, the mind flare looming over the school... Um, the what? The, I'm sorry, the, the Thessal Hydra. Uh, if you haven't listened to the show before, we really thought the monster was going to be called the Thessal Hydra in reference to the season one finale. And we Hashtag were very, team Thessal Hydra. very disappointed when it was not. And we still support that as the better idea. Hashtag team Thessal Hydra. These are merch ideas, guys. But apparently, as the Thessal Hydra is looming over the school, uh, the vehicles change into oh. like 1950s era vehicles. No shit. Which oh, I didn't notice I'm not that. sure if that's true and I almost don't believe it because that makes no sense. Yeah. But it's almost as though the Upside Down takes place in the past which would be like David Harbour and Winona's time at that school. Um, I'm sorry. Hopper and Joyce's time at that school. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting what they might yeah. do with that. I don't know what that means uh, but apparently it gets like old timey in the upside down and it's happened before. I've never noticed that. I would hate that so much. If three was a prequel, 
I, I don't know if I could Or maybe if that. it wasn't a prequel, but like whatever this... They would probably just flash back. Yeah. This like upside down world like began during Hopper and mm-hmm. Joyce's time and period. that could be a huge throwback to it again. Like mm-hmm. this is like a 27 years oh, later yeah, situation. Cool. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's possible. Yeah. Uh, and the original it took place in the 50s, correct? Yeah. And then the adult version was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very possible. And we could see something like that. And they're clever enough to make it work. I just I've never noticed that before. And I don't know how it would work. I mean, and I think the uh, Duffers have kind of intentionally left the rules of the Upside Down pretty vague. So Mm. that's not outside of the realm of possibility for any plot. I I, I can't think of a whole lot of things that they could not do in the Upside Down based on the merit of what came before. Yeah, they wouldn't, you know, go contradict their canon. It's kind of hard to do that at this Mm -hmm. point. Um they haven't pulled from a lot of the very famous uh, Tim Burton films from the 80s. Um, I mean, Batman might be hard to do, but they could mm. do some clever stuff with Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice, which... Eleven. 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 Stars. Oh, she's here. <laughs> <laughs> it stars uh, Winona Ryder. Those films have her. So I think that's a pretty obvious uh, yeah. callback mm-hmm. with what they're working with with Winona. Maybe just have her sing that one song or something. Shake, <laughs> shake, shake, shake. <laughs> Man, we were really Dale. harmonized there, Steve. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'd like to see um, some Tim Burton stuff. Yeah. Um, I would actually like to see something from like more children's movies from back then, like Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I, I, I came out in 87, (laughs) but it's not far off. And, you know, I loved that movie as a kid. And so I, I I don't know what that they could pull from it. Like the Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) If I just have a broom sitting on a bed, I'd be happy. You know, um, another one that I think that, um, surely they're going to have to do at some point is princess bride. Um, Mm -hmm. to the point where I'm like, (laughs) There probably is something in there that I just haven't seen yet, you know, like uh, in a rewatch, like some kind of reference, like, I don't know, you killed my father or some. I was going to say, what are they going to do? None none of that's happened. My name is uh, Joyce Byers. (laughs) You killed my father. You killed my Bob newbie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's just uh, so much that they could do with uh, Princess Bride. So I I think that that's something that we could uh, say. I just thought of Dustin coming up and like, anybody want a peanut? (laughs) Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) Anybody want a peanut? Uh, Steve pointed out the Thunderdome, if we're going to go more Mad Max stuff. Uh, I think Teen Wolf is an obvious one, yes. which I already thought they alluded to a little bit with Billy's hair on skin. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Real Genius. I love that movie. I would love to see a cameo from Val Kilmer. Can we get that, Duffers? Hashtag everybody tweet the Duffers and what's say, get Val Kilmer. What's Val doing nowadays? Did you know that Sean Astin sent a video of himself doing something to the Duffers? Like it was his idea. Oh, really? I, I, wow. I'm not positive, but I'm 90% sure Sean Astin approached the Duffers like, hey, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm in the show. I'm really digging it. So, <laughs> so what's my part? <laughs> and they were like, fuck yeah. yeah duh, you, you absolutely. Say no. <laughs> uh, Paul Reiser. I, I can't believe that they reached out to Paul Reiser, but Sean Astin had to contact them. Right. That doesn't make sense to me, but that might be I, the case. I wonder when he would have reached out. Did he know that there was a part of Bob Newby and he was like, no, be that. Or was he just like, hey, uh, I'm Sean Astin. I'm America's favorite 80s kid. Apparently, uh, <laughs> Bob Newby's part was very small. He was just supposed to be a dork love interest for Joyce but once they found out that it was Sean Astin they were like oh fuck we're gonna really fuck some people up when he dies and then they killed him 
Bob they made him, <laughs> he had a much larger yeah. role as Bob Newby since it was Sean Astin. So basically, if there's any new character in three that has a name that starts with the letter B, they're just and ends in B. Yeah, they're just fucked. Barb and Bob. Um, the whole series. It's amazing that they went to Chicago in in this season, um, specifically in episode seven, and did not make any kind of John Hughes references. Because mm. um, everything takes place in Shermer, Illinois, as uh, Jay from Dogma would tell you. Um, and movies are bullshit because Shermer, Shermer, Illinois isn't real. Um, but there's just so much with Breakfast Club that they could do. I, thought, pretty they were, I thought they did reference a lot of John Hughes do you things. Think? I think so. 16 Candles. And, in season um, one, for sure. For, yeah, for sure, season one. But I thought thought the, the dance scene at the end of the gate yeah. is a very John Hughesy. You know? I agree. I think there's snowball and, and anything like that. Anytime the plot calms down enough to let the kids interact on that basis, especially with like young love. It's always John Hughesy to me. I just wanted Eleven to walk across a football field and raise her fist in the air and triumph Don't at the you. end. That would have been great as an ending. Where's, what's that guy? Judd Hirsch? Is that his name? Yes. Uh, what's Judd, he doing? Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. He's fucking harsh. <laughs> what, what, what's you were he thinking of Emil Hirsch, which is a I random know, reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Judd Nelson, what's he up to? I think he's on like a basic cable television crime show or something. He's, he's I used to love that guy. guy. He is fucking harsh, though. He, he was the voice harsh. of Hot Rod in the Transformers movie in 1987. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the Duffers are on Transformers. record. <laughs> Reference. Yeah, what, where are those at? Where are any of those yeah, at? the original Transformers movie came out in 85. I saw that and I skipped it because I was like, me. I mean, oh, it's cool. Oh. <laughs> How are you going to run? All they're going to do is put a toy in the background. I mean, what That's else can all they I do? Want. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> Unless you want Mike to be like, that boys, are, roll out. That, are, that would be perfect. That, what if there's like good upside down monsters and bad upside down monsters? One of them's like, it's like Decepticons and uh and oh, Dustin, yeah. Boys meets the eye. Yeah, well, we need Dustin to reference the. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what it's going to be. <laughs> What's wrong with Will? It's more than meets the eye, guys. Yeah, it's that's going to be, be the, that's going to be the Stay Frosty Boys of season three. Uh, so, in reference to season three, the Duffers are on record for saying that it's going to be weirder and more character centric stories. Um, okay. How stranger will it be? I don't know, but I think there's <laughs> weirder be some things it's for interesting sure. Interesting that they chose that word. <laughs> what about weird science? When did that come? Season out? three is going to be called weirder things. Yeah, <laughs> they could use a weird science reference. Yeah, called yeah. weirder things. Um, oh, we also have short circuit, right? Absolutely. I Johnny like the Five. idea of more character centric stories. I don't know mm-hmm. about weirder, but I think I don't have a whole lot of faith in uh, humanity at large. I think they might. Uh, you know what's it called bulk a little bit yeah at character driven stories for some reason how they are but I like the idea that they're not just gonna monster and bullshit yeah like I I read something think about morality (laughs) yeah I read something online where some idiot was like uh, projecting that well since we had one Demogorgon and there was a bunch of Demogorgons in season two I think it's pretty obvious we're gonna see like multiple mind flayers in season three (laughs) I was like you're a fucking idiot God don't ever let you anywhere near a writer's room Jesus if they do that Clearly, yeah. clearly that's where they're headed. It's obvious multiple mind flares is I've, where they go. I've with cracked this. the Duffer's pattern. They introduce <laughs> one monster and then they're just like, fuck it, have a bunch of them. Yeah. So three. I, I thought you were going to say like there was one Demogorgon in season one. There was a bunch in season two, but there's a fuck ton in season three. <laughs> Wait, that's fair. That's a fair. It becomes Gremlins comparison. 2 where there's like r- smart Demogorgons that are on TV with their own newscasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'd be um, cool to get like a uh, Blade Runner reference somewhere. I think would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Like if we get maybe like uh, 
somebody uh like Eleven has to hunt down the uh, eight because she goes rogue. You know what I mean? Like she becomes the Blade Runner. That'd be pretty fucking tight. There's like a new character that makes um, origami figures everywhere <laughs> they go. Like uh, what was what was that guy's name in Blade Runner? Oh God, I the, forget. The one who's like, I too bad she's now she's not going to live. <laughs> yeah. But then again, who does? <laughs> but then again, who does? <laughs> Uh, we just need an episode titled Tears in the Rain, I think, to get that yes, one. Yes, yes. Uh, so get uh, Rupert. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the actor's name? Um, again, I don't know. Fuck. Because he's not important. Up. You can just IMDb that shit. Swedish. Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer. Oh, I thought you were talking about the origami guy. No, no, no. <laughs> of course I know Rutger Hauer. Tears in the Rain, Rutger yeah. Hauer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> get him in season three. Shadows oh, off the God. belt of Orion. That would be kind of cool if he came in in season three as uh, Dr. Owen's um, superior. Yeah. It's like, you fucked up, Hawkins. <laughs> you mentioned Rocky Four came out in 85, right? Or was it 86? One I, of those years. I think we need a Dolph Lundgren appearance. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, not you imitating him on streaming things. I meant in the show. So my season three predictions, uh, Steve and I have talked at length about this. I think Andy was there as well. I mean, he's always on board with us. <laughs> Um, that we think it's going to be very government focused. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be the return of Dr. Brenner. I, I predict scarred by the Demogorgon. Um, and we're going to gear up towards an ultimate supernatural battle in season four. Mm -hmm. But this one's going to be very much focused on the return of Dr. Brenner, uh, the fallout from Murray Bauman and what that plot thread has done, plot thread has done. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot more focus on, uh, everybody, nobody liked chapter seven and the reveal of eight, I liked it a lot, and I think that's going to have a lot to do with season three. I think we will see the return of Kali um, as a good person. Maybe some uh, antagonism at first because she has a sordid past, but who will eventually be on the team. But I think there's going to be more numbers, mm. either a new one, like a 12 that Brenner's been working on that is still under his thumb, that is very much able to combat 11 or one of the older ones that's just a little more rogue. It'd have to be 13, right? The the unlucky one that turns all evil and shit. That would be cool if like he made a 12, that one didn't work out. And now there's like a really powerful 13. We had to put that one down. <laughs> I never have any luck with the even numbers. <laughs> that's uh, why I like 11 so much. I, I feel like... Um, with uh, since it was never really, uh, I, I didn't want Brenner to be back be, just because I I thought it, I, I I want him back because I love Matthew Modine. Um, but, Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> but I didn't want him back as far as plot wise, and I had held out hope that he wasn't back. But since it was never brought back up at any point in the finales um, or the last two episodes that he is indeed dead or whatever, they never you know laid the dirt on put his grave yeah put that to bed he is uh thank you that's what i was trying to come up with um <laughs> he's absolutely still alive at this point um i think that they are going to have to team up with them um so i think that like it might be a, a plot thread that like callie comes and she's trying to kill brenner and uh they have to prevent her from doing that because they need him for whatever reason to be able to combat the uh mind flayer hmm interesting I don't know that he has enough redeeming qualities in all of his child abuse and stuff to do that, but that would be a great arc for Eleven and the ultimate forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting for sure. Um, I'm with you because, as you mentioned before, we think it's going to be very government focused. I'm actually wondering, I don't know if this will take place over the course of like one episode, but I think at some point Brenner is going to somehow capture Callie. 
and use her gifts against our protagonist. And that might be where some of the weirder things come from. Mm-hmm. It's like she's kind of like uh, we, we, we talked about Brian Cox's kid in uh, X2, how we kind of yeah. use that guy's power against our heroes. We should be better nerds and know that X-Men character's name. I don't, he, he had, he had <laughs> Brian Cox's kid. Yeah, Brian Cox's kid. <laughs> yeah, you know. We referred to him as that for two weeks. <laughs> What's Brian Cox's character name? I don't fucking know. Striker. Striker. Yeah, William Striker. That's right. Um, but I, I feel like you'll have a similar dynamic where he somehow uses her powers against our protagonists and that's Eleven will be the Professor Xavier of this scenario. Yeah. Oh, There's good in her. Sure. I felt it. Um, but uh, that wasn't Professor X. But you anyway. did the Modine <laughs> Professor X almost. <laughs> There's good in her. But yeah, I think like next season will be very much government focused, like cover up kind of shit. Cover yeah. up. He's back with a with a force, and then maybe like at the very end, that's when the upside down shit happens, and where they have to team up to stop it. Sure. But that leads to there's going to be even bigger battles to fight in season four. And he might even get away and last until season four. And he, yeah, he might be the ultimate villain. (laughs) I also read a fan theory that Nancy and Jonathan would go to college and sort of leave for a while during season three, um, which make no difference to their sideline plot lines in season two. And (laughs) that Steve would stay in Hawkins and join the police force under the tutelage of Hopper. So I hate the idea of Nancy leaving for any length of time, but I love the idea of Steve in a cop outfit trying to, you know, plan off Hopper for a whole season. I think that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And especially outshining those two dumbass deputies that he's currently at. I almost want to see him interact with the two Dumb dumb deputies, especially porn stash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's going to happen with Steve is he's going to go pro and play for the Cubs. He's got some skill with that bat for sure. (laughs) Is the Cubs the nearest uh, professional? Okay. I figured you knew that. (laughs) I, one character I'm really interested to see where they go with is Billy. Like I'm mm-hmm. really f- interested to see where they take that character. And, uh, the Duffers are on record. If you watch that Beyond Stranger Things uh, thing, they they consider him. The, and they made a weird comment at one point that I almost disagree with, but it's their fucking show, so I don't know that I can. <laughs> uh, they were like, it was talking about Steve. Like we originally wanted Steve's character to be a ruthless human villain antagonist for the boys. You know, somebody irredeemable like Billy which is what we ended up doing with his character. I really don't think he's irredeemable. I think there's a couple of moments of goodness that we saw even in Stranger Mm -hmm. Things 2. And now that we know from whence his assholiness comes, Mm -hmm. it's even more understandable. He's got a terrible father who beats him, and that's really the source of every bully, right? But I think calling him irredeemable goes quite a a long way and is actually a, a counter to what we want to do with our culture. You sure. Know? There shouldn't ever be any like completely irredeemable characters. You know what I mean? I like, hate the idea that he's just this one sided sure. asshole. And we kind of got that in season one with Troy. Um, yeah. The bully. You know, oh, like, what force- happened to that piece of shit? <laughs> right. <laughs> just sort of forcing kids to commit suicide and shit. Like, yeah, that's pretty irredeemable. Yeah. You know, like uh, true. Plus, I mean, he pissed his pants in front of the whole school. You can't come back from that. That gets done. He had to move. Yeah. That's why he wasn't in this season. He had to move. There's no coming back. <laughs> also, in my mind, I like to think in season three, Mike's mom, Karen, cowgirl rides the shit out of Billy and leaves Ted. <laughs> <laughs> that is my main hope for season three. I can't wait to read the fan fiction. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so your biggest surprise. Uh, we were running way longer on this episode than I thought we would, but that's great. Yeah. Um, hey, it's our last hurrah for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. for like a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the biggest surprise from season two, uh, Stranger Things 2, Andy. 
Uh, let's see. The biggest surprise I would have to say is the acting prowess of Noah Schnapp. Mm, that's um, fair. That was uh, not expected even remotely for me. I thought that they were going to sideline his character a bit just because I did not think that he was up to snuff. And uh, I fuck was I wrong. Like that kid is going to be a star. And uh, um, yeah, so I was completely uh, blindsided by how central he was yet again and uh, how uh how excellent he was in pulling off these really emotionally charged scenes. And even like the horror scenes where he's like shaking or his eyes are twitching and shit while he's sleeping. Like even like the body acting stuff, he pulls all of that stuff off too. And, uh, he looks like a consummate professional and, uh, kids like fucking 14 years old. Right. It was, yeah. Biggest surprise. Steve, what was your biggest surprise? Um, that but uh to talk about another one was uh i'm actually i was very intrigued and surprised by the direction they took with terry ives and her involvement in the show mm-hmm. um last season her her part in the show was interesting and it gave a little backstory but i still wasn't by the end of season one i wasn't convinced 100 percent like that was 11's mom mm-hmm. um this season kind of definitely says yes that is mama but not only that but she is integral to this you know conspiracy that we don't even really know truly uh, the the story behind and it's definitely going to be propelling 11 from here on out like yeah. next season is that's probably going to be the main uh, focus of her character is you know uh, diving deeper into that that wormhole yeah I thought we had seen the last of Terry Ives in season yeah. one yeah and I don't think we've seen the last of her in season two either uh, she seems to have some kind of connection with the upside down evil yeah. Becky it's gonna happen guys. evil Becky evil Becky, Becky. Oh, I was surprised no. we got <laughs> Becky again to be honest yeah back eye Okay. My biggest surprise was what they did with the characters of uh, Bob Newby and Dr. Owens. Mm-hmm. I was very wrong, as we all know by now, on where they were taking both of those characters. <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious that Dr. Owens was going to be a fuckboy. Uh, but I thought I was being clever. Like, mm. Bob Newby is I was a on board government yeah. spy. No, he's a really good guy. Yeah. And he gets just mauled just horribly by demodogs. Yeah, he deserved better. Which was awful uh, i got a text today from the wife of a friend of mine just who had just seen it and was still unable to cope with the death of bob newby oh. <laughs> and she texted me and said rudy oh. and i immediately knew what she was referring to and it was awful but i was also i'm just gonna cheat a little bit very surprised as much as i hated the barb thread uh what they did with uh Murray Bauman's character like when he came in season one is like oh they got this fucking journalist private detective guy who's a douche I don't really like that at all mm-hmm. and that's not going to mean much I thought it was kind of a throwback to the way Hop was with people who needed his help when he was a depressed sheriff and that was all that we were going to see from Murray but his little uh, sort of almost bottle episode where we spent a lot of that episode at Murray's house with um, being creepy giving liquor to little kids trying to get them to have sex uh, which you say what you want about me. I really loved. I thought that was great. Uh, especially the breakfast scene afterward. And I think we're going to, we have not seen the last of Murray in my opinion. I think he's going to have a lot of fan service and bringing him back, mm-hmm. propelling him into season three. Quick opinion question on that breakfast scene. Mm-hmm. When he drops his eggs, is that a blooper or was that intentional? We talked about that. Yeah, I think it was ad libbed. It, it had to yeah, be ad libbed. Okay. Right. Cause I can't imagine natural. them blocking the egg drop. Yeah. But if it is, how genius is his reaction where he's standing <laughs> in character? Like, oops. Oops. And no one breaks? That's, yeah. that's pretty professional. Yeah, I don't know. We have to do some digging into that. Um, if you knew, write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com about titled subject line, The Egg Drop. 
<laughs> Andy, do we have another segment that we normally move into about this point in the show? Yes, we have our chocolate pudding, wherein we talk about normally our favorite scene segment sequences of the any given episode that we just watched. However, we just watched the entire season. So now we're going to break down our top three episodes of the season. Top three. Steve, what was your number episodes. three? Hold up. I do uh, want to say we oh. did have a best performance section. I skipped it, assuming... No one picked anyone other than Noah Schnapp. Yes. Was I correct? I wrote uh, alternates in case people did pick Noah Schnapp because <laughs> I assumed he would be picked. I picked David Harper as my number two. Okay. Also a solid choice. And Joe Keery was my number three. Really? You thought Steve's performance was up there? We like Steve. Just because we love the character Steve <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean he's the best actor. And he was a lot of fun. He brought a lot of fun to Don't that. Don't fall prey to your emotions, I Steve. did love Steve in this, uh, this whole we series. We all love Steve. We all love Steve. That's going to be our new show name <laughs> moving forward. It's going to be We Love Steve. Once okay. you go, Steve, you never leave. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I'll be the Steve on a show called We Love Steve, but we're not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> we love Steve. Uh, the chocolate pudding number three. My bad, Steve. What is it? Oh, uh, my third favorite episode. This was a hard one. There was, there was a tie, but I had to choose one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went with... Uh, Number nine, the last episode, The Gate. The Gate. Um, reason being just mostly a lot of the reason why I chose this was the epilogue section of the episode. Well, you I, loved it. I really loved seeing the kids at the dance, getting ready for the dance. I loved uh, Hopper and Joyce's moment um, outside of the school. Um, I love that type of stuff that kind of ties things up nicely in a nice, yeah. happy, feel-good knot. Happy little bow. Yeah. There's I, another I, reference we didn't get. Footloose. Kevin Bacon should have jumped out and been like, I thought this was a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Who's that guy? Interesting little tidbit. The snowball was what they had in mind at the start of their writer's room. Like they knew they wanted to end at the snowball. Oh, it was cool. one of the few things they knew before they knew anything else about what they were going to oh, do. That's so good. With season two. That's so. good. Andy, your number three episode in the Charlie Puddins. Uh, my number three would have to be episode two, Trick or Treat Freak. Um, seeing Eleven in the ghost costume is bar none like the cutest thing of all time. This <laughs> ghost. You're not going to know who I am. Trick or Treat. And we get... Uh, the vicarious ruffle of the hair from uh, Hopper. Um, it, it was just awesome to get to see like this kind of happy home life before everything starts to fall apart and, you know, the plot starts to thicken. So it was neat to get to see all those. We get to see the epic ass killing of the squirrel, which was like, one of the <laughs> you crazy. You love that. It was so <laughs> fucking cool. I do too. <laughs> um, and then we also get like some really sweet character moments, like when Eleven is uh, trying to contact Mike and like we realize that Mike, even though he's kind of an emo shit right now, has been like reporting to her like a diary every day. Like, hey, it's day 253. This happened. Da, da, da. Are you out there? And uh, yeah, we just got some really uh, excellent humor, some badass squirrel killing. And then we got some uh, some heartfelt stuff. So, yeah. What about you, buddy? Uh, I think we have the same exact order of our top three. I think we do. <laughs> my uh, my number three is also episode two for all those reasons. Ghost 11. Uh, the squirrel is way up there. Fuck you, Steve. That was badass. I'm not saying it wasn't. <laughs> I like to think in season three that she just has levitating squirrels whirling around her like Magneto. <laughs> but, and that's her main form of attack is just flaming squirrels. It's Squirrel Girl. But that's already a different hero, Steve. So yes. Way to be a dick. Well, uh, if they decide to make that movie, obviously you got to cast Millie Bobby Brown, right? Obviously. Obviously. And I do think um, 
there's a lot in that episode, uh, you know, the trick or treating. And we get to see like uh, a lot about uh, Will being bullied at school. And again, bullying is a huge theme. Zombie we didn't boy. talk a lot about Will for some reason, the whole zombie boy thread. Um, mm-hmm. They're obviously trying to say a lot about that and what goes on at schools, even when there is no Demogorgons. There's a lot of danger uh, mm-hmm. for emotionally. Kids are the worst. Let's just let's just say, two, say, say that. Yeah. <laughs> episode two has a lot to do with that. So what is your number two favorite episode, Steve? My number two favorite is Trick or Treat Free. There you go. Uh, yeah. Everything you guys said, I, I one of my favorite moments of the entire show is when they're in costume as the Ghostbusters and they're arguing about who's Venkman and who's Winston. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Dustin's like, guys, why is no one else in costume? Who makes these decisions? Uh, that, that was such a funny moment. And this is, this episode was the most fun stranger things can be in my opinion there. Mm. I mean, there were still elements of danger and intrigue, but it was a lot of fun too. So, yeah. uh, and that's why I, I put it as my number two. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Andy, you're number two. I know it's going to be mine. And you <laughs> want me to be able to say things. That's why you pointed at me. But yeah, that's why I put it over it with, guys. Um, my number two is episode six, The Spy. Son of a bitch. Um, this is a showcase of Steve, which is why I love this episode so much. Um, we get uh, these really cool uh, bonding moments between Steve and uh, Dustin, um, which just tore at my heartstrings made me love steve we find out the secret behind his hair i have attempted it <laughs> i have not mastered it yet but i'm going to get there um we get the action hero steve moment in the uh, junkyard where they uh their plan goes to fucking shit and uh they uh steve just has to uh man up and be like you know what i'm out here with these kids i need to uh be the guy because otherwise these uh little 14 year olds are gonna get massacred um and uh we get uh to see the extent of the gate um where um dr owens brings hopper down and says like we've uh throughout all stranger things seen like the little uh wall hole and then finally they're like no this is how deep the rabbit hole goes and they take the elevator down and it's like oh fuck yeah i I don't remember what hopper's lines is there but it's not far off from oh fuck oh my god (laughs) what about you buddy uh, my number two is also chapter six, the spy, uh, for all the reasons that you enumerated. Um, I love the reunion in the junkyard and that whole action scene there. Uh, the whole dynamic of of Dustin and Steve becomes uh, in full effect here. And we had never seen that before. And I think you can have a whole spinoff series of just Dustin and Steve yes. gallivanting around the country with uh, bats and hockey sticks <laughs> doing damage. Which, by the way, is there like a little bit of a tiny Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reference to Casey Jones there with the hockey mm-hmm. stick and the, ba- and the baseball bat? Yeah, Probably man. not, but they should have done that. Hey, I'm still offering my services in the Stranger Things writer room. So I know the Duffers are avid listeners of ours. So just uh, send me an email. Uh, we get... A lot in episode six that just um, some amazing editing, like the smash cuts, uh, rushing well to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the the more important Noah Schnapp scenes uh, really take their roots in this episode. Um, We get that wonderful Murray Bauman scene. uh, Nancy and Jonathan bone, which is awesome. And then we get that sweet pull out joke that took us all by storm. Uh, I just this episode was tons of fun. Uh, So that's it for chapter six. Steve. Your favorite episode of Stranger Things 2. Lay it on me. My favorite episode is episode 8, 
the Thessal Hydra. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this episode was great. I feel like Stranger Things is at its best. It, like it, it primes you, it gets you so amped when all the characters are together. Mm-hmm. Um, and for mu- for most of this episode, it's all the characters together trying to figure out what to do. And there's so many great sequences and scenes in this episode. I mean, it starts off pretty strong with um, Bob Newby. Going out like a hero, mm-hmm. and um, and then we get. I love I, one of my favorite scenes of this episode of the season was the the scene where Joyce and uh, Jonathan and um, Mike are trying to talk to Will after they've cardboarded a chair and uh, <laughs> other things in the shed, and are, like I, that's such an emotional scene. I love the way it's shot, um, but then of course. Everything with the kids talking to Harbor or Hopper about what the mind flare is. And he's like, this is a dumb kid's game. No, it's a manual. But then they finally pull him into it. And then he's like, okay, well, how do we kill it? It's, 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 it's zombies. It's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the show works best when you have all these characters working off each other in high stakes situations like yes. this. And it, this is such a phenomenal episode. And that's why it is my number one. Uh, it is also my number one. Good episode man. eight. The Mind Flare, monster formerly known as the Thessal Hydra. It's a long title. For the reasons that you just (laughs) said, uh, Bob Newby, superhero. I love the, uh, uh, well, you, we can't just turn on the power. I mean, you still got to like, you know, reset the passwords and everything. And do do you, do you, do you know basic? It's like, no, teach it to me. Shall I teach you French while I'm at it? How about some German? Um, Bob Newby's just such a badass. was not thinking that he was going to be as cool of a guy as he was. Justice for Bob, for sure. Um, we get the return of Eleven. Uh, yeah. they, they get cornered in the house, and I'm not sure why they didn't, when they knew the... the Demo dogs. The demo dogs were coming. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't take off, but it was so worth it because they're stuck in the house, and then we hear all the noises outside, and then Eleven comes through the door like a badass, and we get Mike's... Just the reaction of Mike's getting to see Eleven again. This whole series, I'm like... Oh my God, I just want the crew back together. And they knew that I was going to feel that way. They wrote this with me in mind. And so <laughs> finally, they, originally they had a meeting in episode four, but one of the doctors <laughs> was like, Hey guys, Hey guys, save it, save it. This Andy, guy, Andy, Andy's gonna love he's going to love it. He's going to cream his pants when he sees this. And it was so badass. Like Chris said, like the whole detour that they did with episode seven was worth it in the end to have her walk in looking like fucking trinity from the matrix it was super cool this does look a little bit like trinity what about you man what's your number one uh my number one is chapter three (laughs) (laughs) the shitty episode no uh, it's not a shitty episode just by stranger things standards it's still better than every other show um it's chapter eight i mean let's not fucking around everybody knows it's the mind flare it's the best episode of season two uh, for all of those reasons, R.I.P. Bob Newby, uh, David Harbour interacting with the boys uh, as Hopper. <laughs> we keep calling him David Harbour. <laughs> he's just got, he's just cool. And um, obviously, the Return of Eleven is uh, the best moment in Stranger Things history. One of the best moments of my life, as I have said before. <laughs> uh, I was crying, like happy crying, like a baby over in my lazy boy. And uh, I can't wait to revisit that moment and just seeing mm-hmm. her stalking in. I think she was wearing Chuck Taylors, like the white on white kind, the classic <laughs> sneakers. Her jeans were rolled up a little bit. Rolled up those jeans. Punk 11 rolls in. It makes the whole. And I knew it. I knew it. Everybody was fighting the makeover. She looks dumb. I like her curly hair when she looks like Ripley from Aliens. Da, 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 da. I was like, no, nah, I think she looks badass. She's really going to rock it later. 
and full effect. She walks through that, saunters through that door, I'll say. Uh, and then the, emotionally, the stakes, you know, the, the look on Mike's face when he just realizes for sure that she's alive. And uh, it's tons of fun. That episode has everything that we love about Stranger Things. And Stranger Things itself is a mixed bag. It's, it's horror and comedy and action and an mm. entire decade worth of wonderful films all mixed together into a new and exciting way. And yeah, this show doesn't... A lot of people are... It's the hot take now to say that Stranger Things is overrated. Um, and like any nerd that loves a property, you balk at that. But I, I think they're objectively wrong. Mm-hmm. Anything that yep. can reach this many people uh, and mean so much to them needs to have a second look. Not always, because the Fast and Furious franchise is also very popular. But you know what I mean? Normally <laughs> right. that works for validating a property. I think that that's popular for a completely different reason. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this people just like cool really shit. That's why that's reaches <laughs> people, and uh, and there's a reason why. It's because it's very deftly done and puts a lot of love and passion into it. And that's the thing. That's why season one is so good. Is that's a passion project that just happened to be greenlit magically through some you know Shyamalan magic and Netflix generosity that nobody expected would be like this. Uh, it's a passion project, and this it, the passion is still there. It's not mm-hmm. like the Duffers are somewhere counting money, working on another project. You can tell they sell the passion in this. And it all shows through in Chapter 8, The Mind Flayer. Uh, Steve, do we have another segment that we'd normally get to about this exact fucking time? <laughs> uh, well, uh, usually we would go into Easter Eggos, which is where we would try to find Easter eggs, cultural references in whatever episode that we had just watched. However, we just watched the entire season, and we did a pretty good job of finding some egos. I'm very impressed. Yeah. But there are some that we missed, and uh, Chris, you more specifically did a lot of research to see what egos we missed. I do want to say I am very proud of you fellas. Uh, you did a very good job with the egos this year, because season one, we had a lot of uh, criticism and literature to pull from mm-hmm. when we're analyzing those Easter eggs, and we saw a lot of them ourselves, but... There was no verifying that because there's a lot of literature out on what the exact <laughs> egos were. So it was a little bit of cheating. And I remember Steve specifically mentioning when we did the season one recap, you, when we got off air, you <laughs> talked to Andy and I. He said, you guys are really good at this. I feel like I'm not very good at it. And Andy and I just read a lot of articles about the Easter eggs <laughs> in season one. And now with none of that to pull from, Steve, Steve the MVP for sure, had <laughs> double hours in every episode. Uh, so that goes to show the real truth of that. But moving on, uh, we missed some obvious ones. Uh, I don't think any of us ever mentioned Millie's hair in reference to Ripley from the Aliens franchise. Uh, we strangely Her curly hair. Yes, we missed um, Amelia by Millie. I mean, 11 uh, we also missed the ghost costume <laughs> yes. as a reference to E.T. Yeah, literally it was Halloween also. Yeah, I think like, that was one of those ones where we were like, well, everyone knows that one. That one's, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's subconsciously dumb. that's what it was. And Eleven was so goddamn cute in it. Yeah. Way cuter than E.T. that we just forgot about that. Um, there's a Ferris Bueller's Day Off reference in Mr. Clark's classroom when it shows all the slack eyed children in his class. Yeah, we talked about that sequence of the the one girl specifically yeah. with the the paper. What are those things called? The uh, we wish don't know something. Wish no. the wish things where you're like pick a number, pick a color, and then the one. <laughs> oh, girl's, you suck! Yeah. <laughs> and then the one girl's uh, popping the gum in yeah. her mouth. Yeah, so we, we talked about that scene, but yeah, apparently it was an Easter egg. <laughs> apparently, a blatant reference to Ferris Bueller. And there's also a really deep cut Sean Astin reference with how he's Bob Newby hates orange. And how there was some kind of contract deal that he missed with the uh, company Orange or something like that. Uh, I didn't even really understand it when that ego was being explained to me. But yeah, he was like funny. it was like a commercial or something for a company called Orange. Yeah, and um, 
apparently like it was the commercial was him pitching an idea to them and then they are essentially like, no 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 we like the we want you to be a hobbit essentially like playing off his Lord of the Rings <laughs> fame Rings and, he, and he leaves in a huff like that's the joke of the of commercial, the commercial I think is what it was oh, okay and that's why he doesn't like orange is because they didn't like his idea <laughs> very obscure Sean Heston reference but yeah I, I can see how that'd be fun uh Understandably, we missed a lot of the Halloween costumes in the party mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the that takes place in episode two, right? Where she says bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, I think so. I forgot to say that's one of the reasons it's in my top three episodes because Nancy, uh, Natalie Dyer, one of the best drunk performers of all time. Yes. Very right. accurate drunk Uncomfortably accurate. Uncomfortably accurate portrayal of a drunk person i'm sitting there like oh my god that's so what it's like and jesus and he's like Christ. that's me I'm that's me on saturday i'm nancy on saturday nights but uh, saturday like wednesday morning <laughs> i feel like we can be forgiven for a lot of these costumes that we miss because it's kind of like you it's have very to pause at every yeah. frame and be mm-hmm. like uh what's that in the background i'm not even gonna enumerate that some i think we missed um one of the guys from um animal house uh, pure fuel guy Wonder pure, Woman yeah. We missed a Wonder Woman um, A lot of stuff A lot of those 80s I costumes I was actually happy Because I was very concerned As to what the girl But yeah that one girl who's, Who was talking to Jaybird mm-hmm. And then they like Cut that scene short Yeah I was wondering What she was supposed to be Because he makes it like uh, Kiss One of the <laughs> No she's Susie Sue And I'm like oh Susie Sue I heard you in the corner going, Susie Sue I love Susie and the Banshees Yeah and there was uh, Michael Jackson From the Beat It video mm-hmm. Specifically Which I, I would have <laughs> never got yeah. Anyway a bunch of shit like that uh, The three rules that Hopper has for Eleven Is apparently the, a reference to the three rules In Gremlins mm-hmm. uh, And specifically Keep them away from sunlight Which he even says to Eleven One of the rules is Don't go out during the daylight Especially Don't eat past midnight uh, And then no egos <laughs> after midnight I think is a rule And don't get them wet yeah, for sure. <laughs> Eleven can't take a bath. Uh, the Goonies uh, is a reference. Excuse me. Uh, so Dustin's love for Three Musketeers and how constantly feeding it to Dart is sort of like um, Chunks Snickers relationship with uh, Sloth in the Goonies. Were those Snickers that he? Oh, it's Baby Ruth. I'm so silly. It is. It's an obvious. <laughs> it's a huge part of the movie. Baby yeah. Ruth. Yeah. Baby Ruth. It'd be so weird if he said Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's way different. Hundred grand bar. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> grand. What an obscure candy bar reference, Steve. Nobody gives a fuck about a hundred grand. <laughs> Cadbury yank. <laughs> it's like Andy's favorite is zero bars. Uh, there's yeah. a best. bizarre. You guys just don't know it yet. You're crazy. I mean, they I are like good. you, but you're crazy, man. <laughs> uh, the it's a trap. So when Mike's running towards the door saying it's a trap with a scientist, that's one Empire Strikes Back reference Steve didn't catch. Which yeah. I was very impressed that you missed my Karate Kid reference and went for that, but... Apparently it's another one. That's like the Fleetwood Mac of this season. It's so embarrassing. It's clearly a Karate Kid reference. Uh, Kali is Mr. Miyagi. Uh, Steve's like, no, I think it's supposed to be Empire. With Yoda and Luke at Dagobah. I was like, shit, it totally is. It's obvious. It would have been better if Mike was like, Lando, Lando, like running up to the cars. That would have been sweet. And then the final song, which is what, Steve? Every Breath You Take by The Policeman. So the final lyrics of that, there's a tiny kind of plot ego in there, wherein as it cuts to the Thessal Hydra, which they stupidly call the mind flare, uh, looming over the school. It's like some creepy shit. Like, I'm always going to be watching you, dude. I'm going to get you. Something like that, right, Steve? 
I'll be, yeah, I think the line is, I'll be watching you right when it flips to the upside down, but it's like kind of, they put like a menacing echo to it. Oh yeah. I was reading something online uh, the other day. Uh, the reason why it is looming over specifically the school, because uh, when, when I watched the finale, I was kind of like, oh, come on. It couldn't just be like out menacingly in the background somewhere. Like it had to be like the school. How's the snowball going? <laughs> it's because <laughs> of Eleven's there. Um, it's never experienced anything like that. Like she didn't kill it or anything, but she did like mm-hmm. stop it in its tracks and, you know, close the gate and everything. So it's like uh, I know where you are yeah so like from now until the next time we see it in season three it's gonna be passive aggressively stalking Eleven and it's like <laughs> yeah. I see you bitch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Egos must be your weakness close my fucking hole I'll teach you oh goodness <laughs> that's how he talks for sure you youth uh, that's one of the big fan theories is that um, she is on the radar of the Thessal Hydra slash Mind Flayer mm. and I just got stuck in a second thinking about how awkward it is going to be talking about this monster for the rest of our show's run because I have to keep explaining to listeners who don't know how we feel why we're calling it the Thessalanger. I feel like we need to start calling it the Mind Flayer, unfortunately. No, Andy's like, no, I'm not doing it. Hey, this is our last season two episode. We can call it the Thessalhydra and then starting season three, we'll call it the Mind Flayer. Now. So that's all the eggs that we missed. be called Keith. Just a Rick and Morty character all of a sudden. Uh, that just about does it for our final episode of season two of Streaming Things. Um, whether or not you care or not, and whether or not you're going to continue listening, we have a great deal of fun doing this. So we're going to continue this show. We've decided and we paid for the RSS feed for like a long time. So there's that. But we would like to make sure that it is a property that you want to hear us talking about. So if you care about your own little ear holes, you should probably write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com with your suggestions of where we should take the show next. And we would love to consider your suggestions. Any uh, final parting thoughts for our listeners before we take a little meditation time? Andy's going off to Ireland. Yes. By the way. Tired. So for all those uh, Irish tired. listeners. Yeah, you might run into Andy at the pub. It's going to be pretty sweet. I recognize that angelic voice. <laughs> um, well, e- even if we uh, start to cover a uh, show that you're not particularly interested in, we are going to be doing shorter episodes for um, for whatever property we decide to pick up next. If you aren't interested in any of those, at least we'll see you next year. I mean, when season three drops yeah it'll probably be like late 2019 maybe 2020 though so yeah yeah well whenever it is yeah i get what you're saying you're trying to be positive like hey at the very worst we'll see you for season three yes i know there was some talk of possibly like reviewing just one-off films and stuff like that absolutely i I love doing that that could be a way to keep people coming in if you guys like i don't know if i want to see thor ragnarok what did the streaming things guys think about i like those guys they're pretty cool they do really sweet voices sometimes (laughs) let's see how they do the hawk i mean that's great somehow all their listeners talk like this this is just how they sound (laughs) crazy Yeah, we just assume that's how you all speak. And so, yeah, right into the to the email thingy. We love to see that. Follow me on Twitter, me, Chris, at C Michael Rudd, spelled like it sounds, Rudd with two Ds. Uh, you can also follow this podcast on Twitter at StreamThingPod. We haven't put a whole lot of effort into the Twitter. I think we're rocking about nine followers on that one. You goddamn right. <laughs> you I think three like of them it. are us. Yeah. <laughs> you can also <laughs> like us on Facebook uh, at Stranger Things Podcast. Uh, and things like that. Yeah. Andy, what can we find more of your shit on you the can web? Follow me on Twitter at, at inkwell verbal. 
Right on. And then Stu.com is you, right? Stu.com. Yeah. <laughs> SteveMayFilms.com is my website. SteveMayFilms.com. SuchAGoodGuy.com. If you want a video yeah. editor, reach out to me. That's I, right. I, I like video editing. He does some sick video editing, and he's got a lot of hilarious things from Stranger Things Season 2 that he's editing together for your pleasure. You can see the kind of great work that he does. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> That's all we've got for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Stu. And this has been another wonderful edition of Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things. Streaming Things.